All right, just before we get on to the main subject, I'm going to be talking, continuing talking about the presence of the Lord, and, and we're going to be talking about the fire, the fire of his presence tonight, and just looking at some pretty exciting things in the word that, that I believe will stir us up. Just before I do, do that, I, on, on a completely different subject, let me just go to Numbers 14 quickly, Numbers chapter 14, and this, is, uh, this, this, this phrase has just been in my heart for about a week it just keeps popping back up and and just as we were praying there it just was there again so i'm going to share this um you know we hear a lot about crying out to the lord people talk about different scriptures about you know just pray just cry out to the lord um and and you see places in scripture where when people cried out to the lord worked and they got results and god moved uh for example in um you know when the children of israel were in egypt uh, it says they cried out to the Lord, you know, they were crying out to God in their suffering and, and, and the spirit of God moved and raised up Moses and delivered them out of Egypt. We see a number of times through the wilderness, they cried out to the Lord and God moved. God came through for them. But there's a there's a very different situation here, which is interesting. And and we need to t pay attention and note this as well. Uh, Numbers chapter 14 and verse one says so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night and all the and all the children of israel complained against moses and aaron and it goes on but notice that they lifted up their voices and they cried uh and 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 yet god didn't move for them no. god didn't move for this people this is the children of israel right on the verge of the promised land they've gone through the wilderness other times they cried out to the lord god came through for them but this time, God expected something from them. Uh, he expected some response from them. And what was that? Uh, he, he expected them to follow his word. Yeah. That's what he was looking for from them. He was expecting them to, to respond to his word. Um, and I was saying this on Sunday, but I, and I've said this many times before, and I'm going to keep saying it. Uh, but there, there's certain miracles that they could not get. There's certain places they couldn't get by just crying out to the Lord and yet disobeying his word. Previously, God had had mercy on them. They'd rejected his word. They didn't believe God and they cried out to God. And God moved. But this time it's different. This time it's very different. Uh, the, the problem here was, that, you know, they, they, they were at a very specific stage. And that is that they were on the verge of going from the wilderness to the promised land. And in order for that miracle to happen, it had to happen in a very specific way. God wasn't going to break, break the rules or adjust it or anything for that. Uh, they had to obey, and follow and respond to the word of God and believe the word of God. And, uh, and Hebrews teaches us a lot about this. And, and so, in fact, this time, and, and, you know, God forgave them. Moses interceded for this people. He prayed and said, Lord, forgive them. God said, I've forgiven them, but they're still not going in. <laughs> It's quite shocking if you read through this. And um, uh, but, but what was God looking for? God was looking for people who would give his word the place that he's always wanted it to have. And uh, sometimes, you know, especially when people are younger as Christians and, and even the church, sometimes God, 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 even through history has has let us get away with some things where people have rejected things about the word of God. They've not responded to the word of God and they still cry out to the Lord and God comes through for them. And they get miracles. 
Uh, but they, they find that they, there's certain places you can't get in your spiritual life, there's certain areas of growth, because, and this is what I was preaching on Sunday night, that God has always been wanting to raise up a people who will mm. respond to his word mm. and who will follow his word. This has never changed. It will never change. This plan is never going to change until, until we're in, in, a, in eternity with God in heaven. There's never a point where God just bypasses, is going to just bypass his word and say that, well, it's not that important. We'll just do it another way. And in fact, especially the more we come into the end of the age, the more we come, the closer we get to the return of Jesus, the, the, the more important the season which we are in right now, the more important this factor is. Because the whole point with Israel is that they, they got through most of the of journey by not responding to the word of God. But it was right at the end of the journey that they couldn't get it all the way in the land. And, and that should teach us something. We might have got through 2,000 years of church history where there's been people who haven't always been interested in the word. They've rejected the word. They've pushed the word away, word away and they'll cry out to God and still get a revival. And God will move. Uh, and often amidst of people who, who not even believing certain things in the Bible. But I certainly believe right in the end of the age, and this is what God has, you know, has said in, in Ephesians 5, when he talks about the glorious church, that he said it's going to be a church that's washed in the water of the word. And, and this is part of God's end times plan. There's certain places we are not going to get by just crying out to God uh, in unbelief while rejecting the word. Uh, and because God, right now, God is wanting to raise up the people who are totally sold out to his word and committed to his word and grab a hold of and run with and and stick to his word believe his word and in the in the midst of that people he's going to move and he's going to move to his highest level and this is something we need to pay attention to now because there are people still in this country that are crying out to god they're sensing even in their heart that god wants to move yes. in revival they're crying out to him but at the same time they are rejecting aspects of the word and they're pushing certain truths away that they're not open to and uh I, I, from the bottom of my heart, if I'm wrong and revival happens amongst them anyway, then you can come back and just say I'm, I was wrong and I'll say I'm sorry. You know, we're not all, we're not perfect. <laughs> but I really do believe this, that, mm -hmm. that right now, yeah. Yeah. hair in my mouth, right now, <laughs> uh, God is looking for people who are going to respond to his word. And that is what he is trying to raise up. And uh, in, in, in that is the environment that, that, is, that is priority to him that he said, that's where I'm going to move. Now, that's, I just wanted to share that quickly. And it's just that scripture, particularly about how the children of Israel lifted up their voices. They cried out and they had done that many times. If you go through Exodus and Leviticus and into Numbers, you see they did that many times and God moved for them anyway. But on this occasion, he didn't. It was different. And we have to, we have to be aware of times when things are a little bit different. And, and, and realize that sometimes the way it's always worked when we haven't quite done it according to the word and God's just come through anyway is not necessarily the way it's going to happen this day. Because you see, we're accountable for more. God has spent over 50 years raising up teachers to teach the word across this planet. And we are accountable for what he's given the body of Christ in the last 50 years, even since the 1960s, probably 70, 70 years has been a move of teaching. That's 70 years. That's practically a generation. But God has been moving and teaching and to just assume that he's going to bypass all of that now and move in revival anyway, regardless. And when people when there's people on mass Christians still rejecting the things that he's been taught, it just doesn't make any sense in, in terms of the way God is. If he has emphasized teaching and raised up teaching 
for nearly a generation now, right across, right across, right across, I'm getting my words tangled up, right across the planet, then that's for a reason. And it's because in order to bring things to a head, he's looking for people who are going to respond to his word. And that's why the teaching is so important now. We need to see that pattern. We need to see that plan and realize it's not just about crying out to God right now. There are Christians doing that. Praise God they're doing that. But there's something else he's looking for as well. There's something very specific in order to manifest and move his spirit to the level that he wants to. He might, they might get a bit of a move of God. But to move the way he really wants to, he's looking for people who are going to respond to his word. And that's why, well, that's why we're going to just keep teaching, teaching, teaching in this nation because this job's got to get done. And this is important. Now, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time recapping some things about the presence of God today. I could recap. This is our, This is part four on the presence of God. Uh, and we've covered a lot of really good stuff in the last three. But I want to jump into something specific tonight. So I'm not going to end up taking half my time recapping what I've talked about before. Um, but uh, let's, let's just, uh, let's, in fact, let's go to, let me give you a first scripture to move to. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12. We'll start there. I'm going to, you, you might not want to turn to all of the scriptures I'm going to refer to tonight because I'm going to refer to quite a lot of them. Some of them I might just give you the reference and, and, and I'll tell you which ones to go to. But, um, you know, there's a reason I'm teaching on the presence of God right now. Uh, and that is because I believe that faith comes by hearing the word. Yeah. Uh, many people know about the presence of God. They might know a few things. But you see, knowing something with your head or having some information is not always enough. Uh, sometimes we need our faith levels raised in an area and, 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 and with, with, with hearing the word comes faith and with faith comes expectancy. So as we hear about <laughs> talking about the presence of God and some things about that, uh, what should be happening is not just getting notebooks full of information. What should be happening is our faith level should be going up. We should mm -hmm. start expecting more of his presence. Uh, yes. Because I'm looking, as we hold meetings, I'm looking for more and more and more of us to come to these meetings expecting the manifestation of God's presence, expecting God to show up, arriving in faith already, believing when we come to meetings, when we get together, even if it's on Zoom here, and, and uh, that we're expecting every time we're expecting, not just, not just come expecting a good message from Owen, because we talked about that few weeks ago we're not looking at man we're, we're coming expecting god to show up god to yeah. god to manifest and to speak and to say things and his power to move and, and expecting uh the presence of god to do things so i'm teaching on this because because that's what i that's what i want i want our faith levels to go up in his presence and to see some things in his word now you know when you talk about presence you know when you're, even on a human level when you talk about um, you know, we have phrases. Have you ever heard about uh, in English? We, 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 there's a phrase we talk about being in the presence of greatness. Ever heard that kind of phrase? Yeah. We talk, yeah. you know, some, some well-known human being or some person who's achieved a lot. We use this phrase kind of in English. I don't know about other language, but like I said, we, this phrase is like, you know, being in the presence of greatness or even sometimes people could say something about someone like he has a very imposing presence. You know, he's got a very... You know, they'll use that phrase, a person's presence. Uh, and, and in a sense, what, they, what, they, what they're referring to when they talk like that is they're talking, they're really talking about who that person is. When you talk about someone's presence, you're talking a lot about who they are uh, and, and the effect that their presence has on the people around them. So this is, this is a factor to take into account when we're talking about the presence of God. 
So some of what I'm going to talk about tonight is a bit about who God is. Because as we understand who he is and as, as we have a revelation of his presence, what, what, it, what it actually means uh, for him to, be, to show up, uh, I believe it's going to really enhance our understanding of the presence of God and, and even raise our expectancy a lot more. And like mm. I said, I'm going to specifically talk about the fire of God and, and, and our expectancy about what the fire of God should is all about tonight. Okay. Uh, you know, so, but, but what, what, what kind of, what is his presence? What happens when his presence shows up? Um, you know, I think I think a lot of people have gotten very accustomed to to certain things. Like, for example, sometimes people when the present, you know, when they kind of sense the presence of God in a meeting, they might get goose goose pimples or tingly tingles, you know, or something like that. And I mean, that's nice. That, that's I'm not against that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong. Um, or sometimes people are very used to peace. Sometimes just sit peacefully in the presence of God. I don't have a problem with that because God is a God of peace. And there, yeah. there is incredible peace in his presence. But actually, really, when you look in the word, here's an interesting thing. Uh, I don't find any scriptures on people having goose pimples. <laughs> no. I don't find any scriptures on people having tingles when his presence comes in. I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't, you know, I've had times like that, when, 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 you know, uh, but it's interesting. The Bible doesn't emphasize those things. It doesn't mean they're not part of it. But when you look to the word of God and you, you really look at what happens when God shows up, his presence is there. The Bible really emphasizes some powerful things, some big things. It doesn't just talk on a low level, like a little bit of tingles going down your skin. And why does God point us at this? Because he wants, he wants us to realize when he shows up, we should expect manifestation of power. power. You can't talk about God without talking about power. Um, and, and in fact, I, I, I did some teaching nearly a year ago now on power, the manifestation of the power of God. Um, but I was thinking when I, uh, when I taught that a while ago, you know, a lot of Christians, when we talk about God uh, and the things of God, we use the word supernatural. Uh, it's quite a common word that you hear in some churches, yeah. the supernatural. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not against it. There's some Christians that think we shouldn't use that word. I'm pers- it's fine if people want to use it. I don't have a problem with that. But actually, when you talk about the supernatural, you could be talking about anything. Supernatural simply means something beyond the natural. Well, there's demons. There's a devil. They're, they're supernatural, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, they're beyond the realm of, of the natural. Uh, you know, even other religions talk about the supernatural things and stuff like that uh and when you use the term supernatural you 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 can't really there's no comparison in that word you know you could say well demons are supernatural angels are supernatural but there's no comparison you're not really giving any comparison between those two um but actually i find when and here's the other interesting thing as far as i know and i have tried to study this out the word supernatural is not actually in the bible anyway not actually in the bible Uh, i think the concept is there but we don't really find the word supernatural in the bible what you do find is a lot of talk about power yeah power yeah uh and and paul prayed that we would have a revelation of power yeah because actually this is where you can start to get a comparison like i said you can say the word supernatural and you could be referring to demons manifesting or you could be referring to the holy spirit moving you know, because they're both they're both supernatural. They're both beyond the realm of the natural. But there's no comparison there between the two. But when you talk about power, 
you can talk about different levels. This is why when Jesus talked about casting out demons, he says, when I cast out demons, he says, if I cast out demons using the finger of God, my finger's not very strong, is it? In fact, I personally believe it's this one he uses. <laughs> not, even the, not even the strongest finger. Finger of God just means that all it takes for God to get a demon out is just bye, click it like that. Okay. Now you get a now you get a, 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 a comparison of power. They both might be supernatural, but one is far more powerful than the other. And and the, you see, this is why the Bible talks about the finger of God, it talks about the hand of the Lord, and it talks about the arm. Of the lord now you've got different measures of strength different measures of power and one of the things paul prayed for in ephesians that we would have our eyes open to, yeah. to the level of power that was released at the resurrection of jesus now i'm not going to talk all about this tonight but this, this is part of my introduction uh paul really prayed that we would get a revelation of the power of god and he uses words of incredible magnitude he talks about in the original Greek, not you know, it doesn't quite come across in the English, but he talks about power that was beyond beyond normal. It was like it's like God pushed the level right up to its highest level when he raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, we could say God flexed his muscles and he showed how powerful he is. It was like his de biggest demonstration of power ever, raising Jesus, and even even more powerful than creating the universe, actually. And I don't want to go into explaining why, but Paul prays that we would really get a get a grasp uh, of that intense power of incredible magnitude uh, we, we're talking about, because this is important when we're talking about the presence of God, when we're talking about God showing up, a revelation of his power and a revelation of just how spectacular he is, is actually quite important. See, one of the reasons many Christians um, fear things. You know, people, you get Christians running around, they're fearing the mark of the beast and they're fearing what the enemy's going to do. And they're fearing the end times. And they're all oh, the antichrist rising. And you know, I'm like, why well, fear something the Bible said is going to happen anyway? <laughs> you know, Bible said there's going to be a generation. These things happen. You know, well, just because you see things happening in the world doesn't mean you get afraid of them. Um, but you see, why do Christians fear these things? And a lot of the times it's because they, 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 they have a greater revelation of, of what the enemy can do to harm them than, than they have of, uh, of what God can do to protect them. Okay. You know, people say, well, you know, pr pray that the Antichrist doesn't come. I'm like, he's going to come at some point anyway. You know, in fact, the sooner he comes almost like, I mean, the only, the only reason you might want to pray things get held, held off is because there's souls to reach. Okay. Yeah. There's people yeah. to reach. But beyond that, I'm like, if it wasn't for the fact that there were unsaved people to reach, I'm almost like, let's get this job done. It's just, you know, I'm quite, quite happy to go into eternity, but it's, it's the soul. But, 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 but sometimes people are praying out of fear that they don't want these things to happen. It's like they're totally terrified it's going to happen in their lifetime because they're afraid of what am I going to have to deal with if this happens in the world and what that happens in the world. Where's that fear coming from? God doesn't move it. You know, put it this way. God's not in fear. God's in faith. You look in the word of God, you don't see Daniel all afraid when they're coming to arrest him, you know, and throw, throw him in the lion's den. He's not terrified crying out to God in fear. Mm -hmm. There's a man of conviction. He had confidence and faith in mm -hmm. his God. He's not, he's not remotely afraid of what the enemy's trying to do to him. The, the three Hebrew children, they don't even, no, they're not even remotely afraid of being thrown in the fire. They say, they say to Nebuchadnezzar, it's fine, throw us in. God will, God will deliver us. And, and even if you don't throw us in, we're still not going to bow anyway. 
So you lose either way and everything is a bit. I can tell you this, God wins. Their whole attitude, they're not afraid of what the enemy's doing. When Elijah is surrounded by the whole army, the whole Syrian army, I think it was the Syrian army, he's not sitting there terrified thinking, oh, poor old me, God, I just really pray and hope you show up. He's there standing in confidence. He's, his servant is afraid. He just says, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see what's really going on yeah. here. And, and yeah. his servant's eyes open up and he just sees chariots of fire all around of God to really protect his people. Yeah. These people in the Bible were on a completely different level. They weren't afraid of anything the enemy could do. And yet you look at Christians today, they're terrified. They're terrified at, at, at things going on in the planet. They're terrified. And most yeah. of their praying is out of fear. Oh, you know, oh, we're so afraid. Look, everything, the Antichrist, oh, the mark of the beast, oh, this, and you look, and it's just fear, 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 fear. Why? Why is there such fear in, in the enemy and, and not really a lot of confidence in God? Part of it's because they don't really have a lot of expectancy of God to show up. And second of all, they don't have a lot of, ex of, of real revelation of just how powerful God is. People mm -hmm. have more confidence in, in how powerful the enemy is and, and what the enemy can do than in what God can do. Why do you see Christians, you know, when the, when the doctor says, well, you've got cancer. I mean, it's, you know, suddenly, suddenly they, they, they're terrified and they, they, they're running around. Everybody pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. But you can tell they're praying out of fear because they, they're more afraid of the cancer than they are, than, 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 than more afraid. They, they have more fear in the, in the cancer than they do faith in God. They have That's more right. fear in the cancer's ability to kill them yeah. than in yeah. God's ability to destroy that cancer yeah. and to heal them. And so they, they, they fear. Now, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about fear, but, but really, a lot of the times what we're lacking is a real revelation of, of actually who God is and, mm -hmm. and what we should expect when his presence shows up. Uh, we need to go far beyond just expecting our skin to tingle when God's presence shows up. We need to start. I'm going to show you some things on the word and scriptures you might have heard, but just think about them in this context tonight, because many Christians don't have a lot of expectancy for some of the things I'm going to look at tonight. Uh, you know, and I, I was saying this on Sunday and I've said this before. You know, Christians are panicking and they, I've, I've read things and they say, you know, what are we going to do if we are still here? You know, because everyone's got different beliefs about the rapture. Does the rapture happen the pre, post, mid-tribulation, whatever? I'm like, whenever it happens, I'm going. That's my, that's my theology. <laughs> if it happens pre, post, before, I don't care. I'm going in it whenever. And, and if it, even if it happens post-tribulation, God will take care of us through the tribulation. You know, I don't care. That, and I've got my own personal beliefs. I don't want to go into those either right now. But but the thing is, you, you see Christians, they panic. They think, you know, what, what if we're here when, when the beast comes and the Antichrist and the mark of the beast? And, and the Bible says you can't buy and you can't sell if you don't get the mark, you know, the mark of the beast. And, and, and I just look at them and I say, you know what? We need to start believing in a God who can feed you by ravens again. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. God bought food by ravens to Elijah. But where, where's the Christians who believe that? Where's the Christians who are going to say, you know what? No matter if I can't buy or, buy or sell something, God will mo multiply the food in my cupboard if he has to. He rained manna down for 40 years on the children of Israel. Yes. Why do I have to be afraid of, of if I can't buy anything? If God's got to multiply my food in, in my cupboard for the next 10 years, he'll do that. Yeah. But you don't hear Christians talking about that. They're all talking about afraid. What are we going to do if we can't buy? You know, oh, what's going to going to do? Why? Why are they talking about this? They don't have a lot of confidence in what power of God can do. They really don't have a lot of confidence in what God can do. If God, I said this again uh, on Sunday. I said if God if God has to send a raven your way carrying a bag of groceries from Tesco, 
uh, Anna Tesco's our, it's our equivalent of Walmart. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, if God has to send a raven carrying a bag of groceries into your garden and delivered on your, you know, little puppy dog can bring your groceries every morning directed by the spirit of God. You know, God, God sent a ram to get stuck in the book in the bushes for Abraham to sacrifice. I'm pretty yeah. sure he can send, send yeah. food running your, your way as well. But why do we not have much confidence in this kind of thing with God? Because we have more, more confidence in the power of the enemy to harm and destroy than we do in the confidence than, than we do confidence in our God to come through. And some of that comes from very the, the fact that we have very little revelation on just how powerful God is, just how mm-hmm. powerful he is. And it's one of the reasons a year ago I was doing a lot of teaching on miracles and, and, and we, we do some more, but we really do need some, some real grasp about, about what God can do. God hasn't forgotten how to split oceans. That's right. He really yeah. has. Exactly. If he has to run his, his middle finger down the Pacific Ocean just because you can't buy an air ticket and you can't travel and he wants you somewhere, or if he has to transport you from one location to another in the blink of an eye like that, he can do it. Not hard for him. Not That's hard. right. But, but, but we need to be hearing about this. We need so that we can have confidence yeah. in what God is capable of doing, the miracles we see in the Bible. So anyway, let's, let's read here. And, and I want, I'm going to talk specifically about the fire of God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 says this, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God. Now I might read the context of this another day. Then we'll yeah. read earlier on the passage, but I'm just going to grab that one phrase for now. Our God is a consuming fire, fire, you know, fire is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. Yes. Fire. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into all the physics of it all, but, you know, I understand the ocean can be powerful. I understand you can have a very powerful wave and a tsunami that does a lot of destruction. But, you know, when you look out into the, into the sky and you look out into the, the universe, because the universe is a lot bigger than the Earth. The Earth is a tiny little thing compared to the universe. You don't see lots of water flying around, you know, every what you see every night is stars, fireballs. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And technically, from a physical point of view, they're not burning, but it actually is, it very much is. There's, there's explosions and reactions taking place in stars. And, and so that is far more, the, some of the biggest examples we have in the natural world of power, which are stars, nuclear reactions, are connected to fire. And, and actually, fire is, is one of the most powerful forces there is in the natural world. Yes. Uh, they've got a volcano erupting in the Canary Islands at the moment. I mean, you can't stand in the way of that. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> you can't stop that. There's nothing you can do when that kind of fire comes like this. Okay? And, and fire is used quite a few times in the Bible to describe God's presence. God's presence. And now it can be used in different contexts. Sometimes it's used in the context of judgment. I'm not going to talk about that one tonight. But other times when, when the scripture refers to fire in context of God's presence, it's showing his power against the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's showing just how powerful he is against the enemy. I mean, most of us know the passage with Elijah and he called down fire. That was in the face of opposition from the enemy. Um, so, but let's read some scriptures here. I want you, some of these, these ones you can look at if you want to Isaiah 66, actually don't, don't uh, actually let me read these ones quickly. Don't, don't talk, turn to all of these and I can go quicker, but just write the references down. Isaiah 66 verse 15 says for behold, the Lord will come with fire. 
The Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind uh, to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. But, but notice the, uh, that phrase, the Lord will come with fire, with yeah. fire. Okay, that's a lot more than some tingles. Oh, God's presence is here, some tingles. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting God to come in fire. I don't know about you. Yeah. <laughs> you okay psalm 50 like i said just write some of these references down and, and and i'll tell you the ones to turn to psalm 50 verse 1 to 3 says the mighty one god, uh, the mighty one god the lord has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down out of zion the perfection of beauty god will shine forth our god shall come and shall not keep silent a fire shall devour before him and it shall be his tempestuous and, and sorry and it shall be very tempestuous tempestuous all around him that fire will be tempestuous something that's tempestuous it's like it's got a temper that is a raging fire all around him and it's devouring in front of him this 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 is this is something quite intense and powerful this is the kind of God he is and, and, and the level of power that's around him. Now, actually, fire is one of the earliest symbols in the Bible used for God. It's used before many of the other symbols. It's one of, one of the earliest. Some people say it is the earliest. But, you know, you can go all the way back into Genesis and you start to find fire showing up when God shows up. When, when, in Genesis 15, when God made the, the covenant with Abraham. And, and they split the pieces. Remember, uh, it, it talks about there was a smoking oven and a burning torch, which walked between the pieces of the sacrifice that had, had been uh, had been split. So uh, that burning torch, we know Exodus, God spoke to, to Abraham, sorry, Abraham, to Moses out of a burning bush, this fire again. Uh, and some scriptures here, I'll read these, don't have to turn to these, but I've got a lot of scriptures because it's just quite amazing when you just look at all of these together. Because I want you guys something something to start exploding on the inside of you about the fire of God and, and just what it is and get stirred up about this. Uh, he, write the reference down, Exodus 19 and verse 18. This is talking about the Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai. It says, now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. He descended upon it in fire. This is not just a theoretical, you know, like some Christians, oh, the fire of the Holy Ghost. I'm so excited. This was a fire they could see. That mountain was on fire when God showed up in it. How did the Holy Spirit show up on the day of Pentecost? What happened? Rushing mighty wind and tongues of fire. He announced his arrival with fire. This sounds to me like that scripture I read to you a moment ago. The Lord will come with fire. How does when he shows up, this is one of the this is one of the the big characteristics in the Bible that we see is connected to his presence. He comes with fire, not just with little goose pimples, <laughs> not just with little tingles. I think I think goose pimples and uh, goose pimples and tingles that people get. I think I think we've been experiencing a very low level presence, yeah. very low yeah. level. Okay, I'm expecting. The, the 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 dial you know the power dials turn right up that's what that's in the bible in the bible it, 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 some of the greatest manifestations of god you see in the bible happened when the opposition from the enemy was the worst the strongest 
Whenever the enemy rose up stronger, God showed up even stronger. That's why some of the biggest miracles in the Bible happened when, when things were really bad. Okay. Moses, we love talking about miracles and splitting of the Red Sea, but that was under during one of Israel's darkest times when the enemy had totally captivated the nation. It wasn't the great, you know, the best days for the nation in the natural, but God showed up in power and intensity. Um, Elijah calling fire down from heaven. That happened when the whole nation was under Baal worship and yet the whole nation was run by Jezebel. You know how many Christians are running around afraid of Jezebel these days? I'm like, you know what? How about you get in the presence of God and get some fire? <laughs> let's, let's, have, let's, let's get some Christians that stop writing books about how afraid we are and how we got to deal with Jezebel. And let's get some Christians who walk in the fire, the fire of God. And the fire of God shows up, okay? Um, because people always want to focus on, on the negative side of things. But the greatest manifestations of God in the Bible, some of the greatest miracles happened in some of the worst periods of Israel's history. Yeah. So yeah. that's like okay, yeah. Christians are like, oh, you know, the darkness is getting worse. Oh, the enemy is doing this. The enemy is doing this. I'm like, great, because in the Bible, those are the times God shows up the strongest. <laughs> some of the biggest miracles. If we're in dark days, then you can think, my word, we're going to see some big miracles in our day. We're going to see some huge manifestations of power and fire coming up. Okay. Mm -hmm. so Mount Sinai, Exodus 19, says the Lord descended upon it in, in a fire. Um. Exodus, just write this one down, Exodus 24, 17, again, talking about Mount Sinai, says the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire yeah. on the top yeah. of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. It's burning. The whole mountain was just a fire. It wasn't a natural fire. It wasn't just a forest fire going on. That fire was the presence of God. And, yeah. and over and over through Exodus and Leviticus and, and especially Deuteronomy, you, you see things like you see phrases like the Lord spoke uh, to them out of the midst of the fire, the fire spoke to them out of this fire that was showing up. OK, um, mm -hmm. I won't give you all the references to that, but this this, this is something I'm, I wanted to show you a bunch of those just to show you how common this is in the Bible. It says, this is what happens with his presence. Now, now, let, now you can go to these scriptures. Let's go to Psalm 97. With that foundation, let's look at a few things. Psalm 97. And, and I trust this is going to stir you up what we're going to see. Just remember that phrase, the Lord will come with fire. He'll come with fire. That's what I'm expecting. Uh, I'm expecting much greater levels of his, his power, yep. his presence to show up. Psalm 97 verse 1 says this, the Lord reigns. I know some of you might be turning there, but you can catch up. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. That's right. A fire goes yeah. before him. A fire goes before him. I was actually looking up those words. I sometimes when I read things, I, I, I like to just reference the Greek and the Hebrew just to see if there's a bit more insight. And actually that phrase before him is the same word as, as we've been using in this series for the presence, the presence of God. Remember last week, those of you who were with us have said that the, in the New Testament, and this also applies in the Old Testament, the, the word that's translated presence of God, the presence is the same word that's translated in his sight or before his face. It's often the exact same yeah. word. So to be in his presence is to be in his sight. 
or to be in his presence is to be before his face. And so sometimes when you see this word before, and it's been used in the, in the sense of in front of, it's the same word. So there in Psalm 97 verse three, when it says a fire goes before him, that word before him is the same word that's used, that, that's translated presence elsewhere. And in fact, it's the same word that Moses used when he said, show me your presence. Yes. So it doesn't come out in the English and not in the translation I'm reading anyway. Um, but, but, so, but it's the same word. It's talking about a fire in connection to his presence. Now, the word, um, again, from my translation, it says a fire goes before him. That word go can also be translated come or walk. Okay. Yeah. So it can be go, walk or come. So, and they've chosen to say go, a fire goes before him. But actually, you, you okay. could just as easily say that phrase like this, a fire comes with his presence. Mm. Yeah. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be muddling up the Greek, the, sorry, the Hebrew very much, because it's all in the same words. A fire comes at his presence or with his presence. In other words, when his presence comes, so does a fire. A fire comes at his presence. I love that phrase. So uh, you can say a fire goes before him. You can say a fire comes at his presence. <laughs> and let's keep reading with that in mind. Uh, verse, uh, goes on, a fire goes before him, burns up his enemies around him. What, what type of fire is this? It, it, it's, it's a fire that's dealing with the enemies, isn't it? The enemies have gone. Yeah. Uh, his lightnings light the world. Earth sees and trembles. Most many of us probably have heard the, the next phrase. The mountains melt like wax yeah. at the presence of the Lord. Why? Why do the mountains melt like wax? Because of that fire. Mm. That fire. That's, this is not just a little campfire. You know, the, 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 the level of fire that can melt a mountain. That's, okay. that's a pretty big fire. Yeah. Literally melt a mountain the mountains go it's just fizzled out <laughs> that's some pretty intense fire this is not low level stuff going on in this verse this isn't just a, a, a little tingles down the arm because the presence of the lord is in our meeting this is this is talking about an intense response coming from god but but where in the face of his enemies okay the mountains melt in fact that word melt it actually means liquefy or dissolve yeah. dissolve at his presence i'll add a bit more to that in a moment the mountains they just dissolve at the presence of the lord at the presence of the lord of the lord of the whole earth okay now right off that that's verse five you could you could continue reading the passage but i'm going to jump to verse 10 because it's all part of the same context this this psalm started on the fire the fire that goes before him the fire that melts the, 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 the mountains and burns up his enemies. And then it says in verse 10, you who love the Lord and hate evil. Now it's talking about those who love God. This is not the enemies anymore. You yeah. who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the soul of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Who, who delivered? Who, who is this when it says he delivers them? This is the God of fire that we've just been reading out about a few verses before the god of fire who consumes and, and the present the, the mountains just dissolve at his presence this is a god of power this is a god of power fire 
fire does, yes, it can refer to judgment. It can refer to other things. It can refer to things that purify and cleanses, but it can also refer to an incredible manifestation of the power of God. Uh, and I was saying this over the weekend as well, but, you know, many Christians are struggling. They're, they're struggling to believe God can heal them of a headache or God can heal, a, you know, a lump on their arm or something like this. And, and, and they don't really have a revelation of just how powerful he is. Just how powerful he is. Like I said, there's going to come a day somewhere in the future. The Bible talks about it. I'm not going to put a date on it. But Paul talked about how the dead in Christ will rise and, yeah. and talks about you talking about the physical body of every Christian who has died for the last 2000 years, who's been buried planet wide, all in the blink of an eye, every single one of their physical bodies like that are going to be raised from the dead at the exact same time. Every Christian who is alive in that blink of an eye, their body is going to be turned into a glorified immortal body, just like Jesus. And we're all going to, it talks about meet the Lord in the air. Now, you you know, like I said, some Christians are struggling to to believe God can just do something like that in their body, but actually, Mm -hmm. He's going to do that for every Christian who's ever lived, glorify their body in the blink of an eye. That's, that's the manifestation of power. And, 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 and if you begin to really get a revelation of that, you begin to realize it's nothing for him. He can just burn cancer in a second like that. If, if, a, if a mountain will just melt like wax before the Lord, what do you think cancer will be? Cancer is so much smaller. You just dissolve that thing in a second. And I've heard, I've heard miracles about you know, ministers, John G. Lake and others, they've laid hands upon people and just cancer just literally just disappeared right in front of their very eyes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's look at some others along the same line. Micah chapter mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Micah chapter one. Now, I want to I want to stir you today about what what we should expect when the presence of the Lord shows up. What kinds of things should we expect? Well, one of the things is the the fire of God, the fire mm-hmm. of God, and, and that consuming fire and what it's capable of doing. Micah chapter 1, verse 2, says this, Hear all you peoples, listen, O earth, and all that is in it. Let the the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place. Uh, He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under him. Why do they melt under him? Well, we've already seen in in other passages, when the Lord comes, he comes with fire comes with fire and the valleys will split like wax before the fire like waters poured out uh, uh, down a steep place it's got to amos chapter nine you can look at this one as well but notice this 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 idea of the mountains just melting before him is is it more than once in scripture at his presence this is this is the intense power this is the intensity of the god that we serve do I really have to be afraid of, of the enemy? Do I really have to be afraid? Yeah, I won't, I'm not going to get to all the scriptures tonight, but Daniel, the book of, just go to Amos. Daniel talks about the Antichrist and the passage in Daniel 7. He talks about, I might read that one as well. Let's read Amos 9 and then I'll read the one in Daniel 7. Okay. Um, uh, well, we'll see. Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9, verse 5. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts. (laughs) Touches. This isn't just a mountain. Touches the earth. That that, that word, when it says touches the earth, it's got the idea of his hand touching it or coming into contact. And when it says it melts, 
that 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 word it's, it's got the idea of just disappears just gone just melts when it's when he touches it that must be some pretty intense power in that hand if he, he could put his hand on this earth the whole planet to that level whole whole earth just like a gone just melt in a moment that's some pretty intense power <laughs> the whole earth just dissolve just disappear and, and, and solid solid land of earth vaporize in the moment at his presence what kind of things should we expect when the presence of god shows up this this is the kind of thing levels of power intense levels of power that'll manifest let's go to second samuel 22 i might end on this one we might go to one in depth we'll see but say second samuel 22 now in fact Second Samuel 22 and Psalm 18 are exactly the same. We'll, we'll look at the one in Second Samuel 22, but this, this is a Psalm of David and he repeats it. It's, this, it's, the, it's recorded as well in Psalm 18. It's exactly the same. We will read it from Second Samuel 22, starting in verse 1, says this. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. On the day when the Lord had delivered him, from him from from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul so notice when 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 is David speaking this song he's he's just been delivered hasn't he he's just been set free from all from all his enemies and from the hand of Saul and this psalm rises up and I believe he speaks it out as a, almost like prophetically or by a spirit of prophecy and inspired by the Lord the psalm verse two this is it and he said the Lord is my rock my fortress yeah. and my deliverer the God of my strength and whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior, you save me from violence. So he starts off, I love this, he starts off by just lifting up and praising God. That's the way we should start off. Many Christians start off in their prayers about moaning and complaining and how difficult it is. First thing he does, he lifts up God in this psalm. Then verse four, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol, that's hell basically, surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. This, he's going through something difficult, isn't he? He's talking about quite a difficult thing that he had gone through. He's surrounded by the waves of death. What happened? Verse seven, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He, he heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. Now he's going to tell you God's response. How does God respond in the face of the enemy? When the enemy is coming against God's people. Verse eight, then the earth shook and trembled. This is a response to God. This is his response to in my distress, I cried out on the Lord. Notice this, the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. He's not angry at David. <laughs> He's angry at those enemies attacking David. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. 
fire comes out of his mouth and just coals begin to just light up by that fire that's coming out of him. Uh, I won't read it all, but I ju jump down to verse 13. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. What's that brightness before him? That's that fire. That's that fire he's talking about. He's describing this fire that's just coming out of God. Why? Why is this coming out of God? This is in response to him crying out to the Lord when the enemy's attacking him. Oh, man. The Lord. Oh, hold on. My notes just suddenly moved. Touched them and they moved. Where's my spot here? Um, verse 14. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. This is quite a powerful response, isn't it? Lightning bolts and fire just start coming out of God. Why? David's cried out to, his, to the Lord when the enemies are coming against him. And then you jump down to verse 18. And he delivered me from my strong enemy. Notice God's response, this power that just begins to come out of him as the enemy begins to rise up, as the enemy begins to attack. That's my God. Amen. That's my God. This, this, is, what, this is what you, you get around the presence of God, you should expect some fire. Yeah. Lightning bolts. Amen. In yeah. Revelation, he talks about the lightning and the thundering around the throne room of God. It, it's not written in the sense of something to be afraid of. It's, it, it's, a, it's as a, an intense demonstration of power that comes out of his presence. This is when you begin to realize this is the kind of God where the enemies just melt, hills just melt, things that stand in his way just melt at his presence. Cancer, if he can dissolve the earth by touching it with his hand, just put his hand on the earth, gone like that in a moment. That's what that psalm said, just dissolve. What do you think could happen if, if, if even his finger touched cancer? <laughs> or, or even his finger just touched something, something, that, something that wasn't right in the body. Or, or just touched a virus. I mean, viruses are tiny. You, you just touch that virus in the body and pff, like that, gone, dissolved. Yeah. yeah. Just expect to God. People are so, you know, they're, they're, they're crying out to God to heal them. But they're, in their minds, they're still thinking about how powerful the, the thing attacking them is. Why could David charge headfirst at Goliath, this scrawny little teenager, he's only like what, 17, 18, something like that? He runs straight at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a giant saying, my God's taking you down. Why? He's, 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 he's got far more confidence in what God can do than what the giant can do. That's a revelation of God. That's a revelation of God. Now, I think Christians, we need a revelation of the, the, what, what the presence of God actually involves. And when, when we're praying for the presence of God, when I'm saying I'm expecting the presence of God, Bashar, I'm not just expecting us all to have a few tingles run down our back and go, oh, that was nice. Did you feel the presence of God? Okay, That's great. I'm not, I mean, I'm saying that almost mockingly, but it's nice when that happens. We've had that. But you know what? The, the, the level can be turned right up. That level can go right up. Let's, let me close yeah. this in Daniel. Let me close this in Daniel 7. Now, Daniel 7 talks about, you know, the, the 10 kings and the, and the rise of the Antichrist. It's in there in Daniel 7. I'm not going to go into all of it. But it describes, um, it describes God's presence in here as well. Daniel 7 and verse 9 says this. I watched till thrones were put in place. 
and the Ancient of Days was seated. Now, the Ancient of Days there is referring to God. It's talking about God seated on, on amongst these thrones. His garments was his garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. His its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. What a picture! Yeah. What a picture. This is, I mean, like, it's just amazing when you look in the word of God. Like I said, when Revelation describes Jesus, when John has this vision right at the start of Revelation and sees Jesus, he says his eyes were like fire. Yeah. This is God. This isn't just a theoretical thing. This, 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 is, this, is, this is a real description of the intensity of power and, and, and force that just surrounds his presence everywhere. I love this. I'm going to read that again. His throne was a fiery flame and its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Uh, I'll read the rest of it just to close. A thousand thousands ministered to him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Yeah. And this is, what, what, what's a court? That's where judgment's about to take place. Yeah. Now, right after that, I won't, we won't read because it'll take a while. Right after that, it starts to describe the rise of the Antichrist's kingdom. Yeah. The rise of the, the 10 kings and the other one and the horn and all these different things you go on. But, but before it tells us anything about the rise of what's going on in the earth, the Antichrist, it tells us the ancients of days are seated and court is yes. now in session. I love that. Yes. Court started already. Amen. And then it, and then it goes and it describes the events on the earth and the Antichrist rising up. Now, remember that phrase, the court shall be seated. Okay, remember that. It's going to come back to it. And then it, it goes on. It describes, uh, you can jump down to verse, um, and it talks about the, 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 the horn, the horn that Daniel saw, which arose. And it says it's speaking pompous words. This horn is pompous yeah. words. It's boasting and oh, making all its glorious statements about what it's going to do. See, on the earth, is, and it talks about the beast and all the different things going on on the earth. But all of this time, the court is in session. Which court? The court in the throne room of God before the ancients of days. And just remember, he's on our side. <laughs> None of this is happening behind his back. He, the, during the whole unfolding of the events of the end times, court is in session up in heaven. Okay. Uh, and in verse 21, he talks about the, the horn making war against the saints and prevailing against them. But love, notice this. In fact, I'll read this. Verse 21. I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. Oh, yes. I love that. Yes. A judgment is made. This is because courts in session the whole time. People panicking about, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're the rise of the Antichrist things. I can tell you this. this is one of the wonderful things about the, what, when the rise of the Antichrist and all the things begin to happen on the earth, you know court in heaven has just started. There's a court yeah. case to start. And, he, and they're sitting. And that's what that phrase says. Court was, the court was seated. And here he is sitting on his throne with fire surrounding him. 
fiery throne in this courtroom as these events events unfold, uh, unfold on the earth. Now, notice verse 25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. This is the horn. Okay. Shall execute, so, sorry, shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. People panicking about laws being changed these days. Can it be happening? It's one of the things the Antichrist is going to try and do. Okay. Then, but I noticed this. This, this is where I, what I want you to see again. My notes just jumped again. Um, then the saint shall be given, sorry, then the saint shall be given into his hand for a time and times and a half. That's just a short period of time, basically. Here's the phrase, verse 26. But the court shall be seated. Court is still in session. There's a divine court case going on during all of this. And they shall take away his dominion. Who's the horn, the dominion of the horn? To consume and destroy it forever. Amen. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the most high. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Notice the outcomes are already predetermined. And I, I, I didn't want to go all on about the Antichrist but, and the end times and things, but I thought I'd throw that in. But the, but the phrase that I really wanted out of that passage was the picture of his throne. During this whole time, he's sitting up yeah. on this, this conspiring yeah. throne, fire burning around the throne, fire streaming out of God. This is a God of intense power. Yeah. And so it's good for us to get a revelation of that and focus on it. Spend a bit of time thinking about that and just reminding yourself just how incredibly powerful he is. And just imagine. Yeah what he wants to do in our lives just like david when david cried out the enemy was coming against him and, and god showed up in fire. Mm -hmm. this is the, the this is what happens his presence before his presence goes a fire before his face or with his presence comes that intense power of that consuming fire of god to bring mm -hmm. us through things amen mm -hmm. uh, I might, I might, we'll see. We might, I might talk more about the fire of God in the next session, but I, I don't know. I hope you're as stirred about that as I was. I am. When I was reading this, I'm like, oh man, yes. this is amazing. These scriptures and just what the God that we serve.